1: Coming back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 525 got a returning guest to the show to talk about some early draft season gladiators draft champions look back at 2022 because as we've heard on other shows it's always worth learning from what we did good and bad from the previous season and see where it takes us going forward when we got some time at the end some early 2023 draft champions adp debates because why not it's all the fun all the rave these days but before we get into that you can check him out on Twitter at Pile of Dial, and he's a part of the In the Cut Fantasy podcast with Ryan Venancio. John Fish, my buddy Fish. How we doing, my man?
2: Good, Bubba. I'm a little bit under the weather, but I'm uh, still happy to make it on with you and uh, looking forward to talking some baseball today. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We're going to talk, like I mentioned, uh, you know,
1: I, I, I don't know if you want the secret out there. I'm going to kind of throw it out there everybody john told me he's doing less drafts this year so we gotta like we gotta watch this And he's probably mentioned it elsewhere but that was a shocker to me and i'm gonna i'm gonna watch this from a distance let's put it that way because i honestly don't think you can do many more drafts only there's only one person out there that can do more and he will so like you know waxman will do them so you know you the bar is lower in that respect but uh let's just kind of go there we'll kind of jump around the 2022 2023 pivot points here's what's making you finally decide, you know, maybe I should come back a little bit.
2: Um, I just, I'm getting rid of a lot of leagues that like the, I did like, I think I did four or five NFBC fifties last year. And there were like 12 team draft and hold. I'm not doing any of those this year. Um, I'm, I'm yep, obviously doing gladiators. Man. Um, yeah, I'm doing gladiators. I've already done seven. I think that might be it though. I mean, it's pretty much almost done all wrapped up anyways, but, um, yeah, um I'm only gonna do well I'm actually trying to decide if I'm gonna do a main event or not. Um I got uh in the summer uh, one of those Friday night I split um you know those uh win a free main event entry. Well I split that with uh Jake Alasker and mm-hmm. so I didn't win a full free main event, but I won a half. But you can use you don't have to put it towards a main event, you can put it towards anything as long as it's a thousand dollar or above league. So you know, I got eight seventy-five or whatever it is off. So you know, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to do use that with a thousand-dollar DC or a main event, or if I'm going to jump up to a super or one of the twenty-five hundred-dollar DCs. I haven't quite decided yet. The big thing for me is I'm trying to eliminate a lot of fab leagues. Uh, I've already told Dave McDonald I'm I'm not going to do Glarf this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to do TGFBI this year and no offense that you know I, I it's a good competition it's just I'm a little, yeah. I'm getting rid of all the fab leagues I just I don't like I don't like the fact that my Sundays are just yeah filled with that kind of stuff so I'll probably still do the tag team league I do enjoy doing that so I'll I'll still do that that's a fab league but um yeah and as far as DC's are concerned i have just uh with with gladiators I've kind of taken a little bit of a step back with DC's uh I still love DC's it's my favorite format but I did like Thirty last year, you know, I might cut back to like fifteen or something like that. I don't know. I haven't really decided. I'm kind of just going with the flow. I'm not sure how many four honeys I'm going to do. I did six of those last year. Yeah, I actually 400s. performed, I actually performed the best in those, so maybe I should continue to do those. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just going to see where things go. I want to as you can see if anybody's watching live here you can see behind me my basement is not finished in my house yeah. so i want to actually save some money to try to you know because you're not guaranteed to win money obviously mm-hmm. when you enter fantasy league so um i, I want to try to save some money and get this all finished down here and then i'll ba- back up my volume again for next year
1: good man right there you hit a couple things i figured as much the fab thing is a real statement for many of us starting to reconsider life basically like when you have kids you want to read to your basement there's a million things going on like the fab leagues if you want to be successful in them you got to have the time if you like if you just miss a little bit it somehow comes to bite you every single time so 100% with you there um, and the one thing i noticed are you just pretty much non-12 team leagues anymore? Just pretty much 15s by what you said there in your conversation points, because you don't do OCs, you're dropping the fifties. So you just, you're 15 team through and through
2: now. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. Bouncing back and forth between 12s and 15s. is just not, not for me. It just kind of gets me all messed up. I like to just yeah. stay with my one format. It's kind of why I've dropped other uh, formats as well. Like I don't really do any best balls. I don't do any cut lines and yeah. Um, the OC used to be my favorite, you know, event because you know the twelves. Uh, you know, when you when you first kind of get started with fantasy, it's it's easier to do the twelves because it's just more players, you know, like that you're rostering. Whereas 15s, the rosters are so deep, and the way they you know the waiver wire is so bare. Once you get more experience, it's a little bit, um, for me anyways, easier to do the 15s because I'm kind of. You know just more advanced i guess in general with with player knowledge and stuff like that so yeah i'm gonna i don't think i'm gonna do any ocs there's no plans to another thing is if you're doing one oc you know such a large portion of your main uh not main event, a large portion of your entry goes towards the overall so if you're only doing one i mean you're competing against tons of other players that are doing tons and tons of entries so it's like you know, the odds really aren't in your favor. So that's another reason I'm considering maybe not doing a main because I'm only going to do one main that kind of doesn't really make a ton of sense. Um, that's why maybe I'm thinking about maybe just doing a super or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm torn on right now because I love the OC. It's fun, but I don't think my brain is quite set on overalls yet because it's a different mindset and you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to have guilds on next week um, rescheduled from earlier. That was my bad. Uh, we're going to go over a lot of that stuff because he just continually crushes overall competitions. That's just what he does. But I was in the league that he won DOC last year and I watched him draft and it was just like a piece of art and he knows what he's doing in that format. So my mindset is if I'm only going to do like three or four OCs, why don't I do like maybe a handful of like satellites, just build a bankroll and keep learning the formats of this, that, or like you said, you're doing a super, maybe I do like uh, something else. I don't know. But uh, I like my 12 teams compared to 15, but each their own, like You've given good reasons. Toby loves his 15s for the same reasons, basically. And it's kind of find your niche and enjoy it. But um, I'm starting to debate that same thing about the overall competitions. It's the the overall price pool, of course, looks amazing. There's no doubting that. But uh, it's literally like winning the lottery. You got to run as pure as pure can be. It's it's crazy. Like, I can't remember who it was in the main. Didn't – weimer finish ahead of bob and bob still won the overall or something like that like that's how crazy that kind of stuff is yeah yeah that's so,
2: uh i, I mean yeah. i don't even know how that's possible but yeah that definitely yeah, that's lost trust me yeah so again we <laughs> talked before the show we're not the stats
1: guys so that's not us um, yeah. but let's talk a little more about 2022 um you you you're a successful player i don't know exactly how your season went last year i'm guessing it didn't go too bad you still have boxes in the back so you are remodeling so that's pretty good um any strong takeaways, though, more so not just how you finish per se, but, you know, everyone talks about the balls. I don't even worry about the balls because we never know now. It's proven fact. We have zero clue what when or what. So trying to figure that out is just silly to me. But just like, you know, the, the changing landscapes we continue to see, you know, the IL spots, guys moving up and down. We didn't have the expanded rosters per se. Or Was there anything that kind of stood out to you to be different that you might take
2: into 2023 draft season? Um, not, not really so much on that front, but more so just like my draft strategy. Um, last year I kind of implemented my strategy that worked the year before and like looking at the, the ADP board and how things are falling. I felt like this, uh, the strategy that worked for me in 2021, the teams that I did well in, I took that strategy into last year and I had, I had a good season. It was, um, you know, it wasn't like super elite or anything. It was, it was a profit. It was a small profit, but, um, it was the aces and bases strategy you know mm-hmm. I, I love to get my stolen bases early i love to get my aces early and then i just let the rest of the draft kind of come to me and that worked really well um and that's you know that's kind of the the thing i took into 2022 now looking at 2023 it's a little bit different because mm-hmm. the starting pitchers there's so many good starting pitchers in rounds like six through ten it yep. doesn't really make sense to go with that strategy at least for me from what i'm seeing right now Now, everything obviously a lot of pitching gets pushed up when you get closer to march so what i'm seeing right now especially in draft champions is um get you i can still get your bases early but then grab a closer that's what i've been doing and then kind of waiting a little bit and getting a lot of starting pitchers in the it's you know starting like the fourth and fifth round
1: yeah it is crazy watching and i didn't realize it as much as i you know should have probably like i was with the Mason, and Clevon, and sleeper on the bus like two weeks ago, and one of the topics was zero starting pitchers in the first round of a DC uh, in the ADP. Are. And I'm like, holy crap, because you know how it is, and you just mentioned it, like especially come main event season, probably three to five. Like usually gets pushed up in there. Usually, maybe not this year though, because of the depth you mentioned. And that is what's pretty <laughs> crazy is you you still have those elite like few guys, but there's such a pull behind it where you can make cases for each and every like one of those guys to take that step into that top five or something. And it, that's what makes it a little more. You know, go get those ace or go get the bases, go get the power, go go load up on outfield, go blow it up on third base, like go to these things that hit some scarcity positions potentially, and then get your pitching. Like you mentioned, go get a closer because right now, especially, we only know like what six, seven teams that are pretty much locked in for now with a closer, maybe a few more after some recent moves, but no more than 10. I'll be confident in saying that. So go get one of those or two of those guys, and then you're, you're sitting pretty in those formats. Um, that is definitely an approach to do and it, and also kind of. Gives kudos to how we always talk about sometimes, you know, drafting early. Well, right now you're drafting early, you're loading up on bats and getting pitching later, but you're also learning the player pool. So when the ADP start to shift and you're still drafting, now you can like really know how to navigate things. Not saying it's always going to work out that way because drafts are silly, but um, it's going to give you a head start for sure if you can pull it off. Um, speaking of these early drafts, let's go. We're going to hop around here. Let's do this gladiator talk here because we talked DCs. I want to talk some more ADP with you in a minute. I think we need to hit Gladiator first to kind of get to the point of how different the world is in these two things. Some of the similarities is pitching the starting pitching does drop in that too. So that's very true. There's reasons for that, obviously, as we will get to, but, um, these Gladiator drafts for those that have uh, not seen them somehow, they are 15 teams, 23 person rosters. You literally fill out your starting roster and you walk away. That's all you got. And then it's literally Gladiator survive. Survival of the fittest is what's going to come down to and run hot. I started to think about that fish. Um, 'll well, I'll, I'll let you I have to play you talk you are the guest um what's your what's your thoughts on kind of the strategy I've had some listeners ask you you think it's like seven starters two relievers six and three is it heavy uh, hitting early what do you think's gonna be because obviously you have to run good in health but to me I think everyone's gonna have a stretch of injury somewhere along the way like it's gonna be impossible I think to run perfect so I guess it's to run the most perfect but it's, it's gonna be interesting like it's not just avoiding injuries. Everyone's going to get injuries. It's a long season. So how are you kind of going about this? Because we drafted one the other day and I DM'd you after the first two rounds where I'm like,
2: yeah, we have the same philosophy in this, at least early on. So what do you got? Yeah, for me, it's seven and two still just because. but OK, so like my strategy with with the Gladiators has been to get, you know, two pretty safe closers and then and then go with seven starters. Cause you, like you said, you kind of need to run peer like, I, and again, everybody's going to have injuries, but I think the best highest ceiling outcome, I guess, from your pitching staff is seven and two getting two closers that each get 30 plus saves. and get seven starters so that your strikeout totals are, um, you know, elite enough. Now the problem is your six and seven starters, where do you get them? You know, mm-hmm. and those can also torpedo your team, you know, cause if it's, let's say in a, you know eduardo rodriguez uh or like a mitch keller or like those guys that just have terrible you know whip and stuff like that like they could torpedo your your ratios so it you know i i get i understand why some people are a lot of people are taking these you know elite middle relievers towards the end but i to me that just limits your upside a little bit but i i i guess i understand it and this is the first year of the gladiator yeah. so it'll be interesting i can't wait to see at the end of the season who actually comes out on top of what their strategy was and not just the team that wins it like i want to see the top 10 teams like because i'll bet you there's yeah. all different strategies 100 yeah yeah
1: that's what i love about it and i sort of like you know there's the guys like phil and then they're gonna max it out and they're trying every strategy under the sun where you know you said you've done what you think you said seven so far Yeah. And um, I've done two. I have, uh, for those listening, here's a listener special for you. I sent out a few DMs. Fish, I was going to tell on the show here, if he wants to, he sounds like he might be done with Gladiators. But East Coast people are getting mags. I kept doing West Coast feeds for the Gladiator. So December 26th, the Monday after Christmas, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Derek should be putting it in the lobby because it's available now for people that ask me. It should be in the lobby on Tuesday to sign up for. Um, I think we have about five people in it already. So if you like to draft, it'll be a live stream that will be a gladiator for you East Coast people. That won't be too late for you to to miss on. So there you go. But um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting because I've done two. It'll be my third. And I've kind of done the same strategy. Well, no, I didn't. I did two different. I still got the third baseman slash give me a closers early. I'm with you on the two closers things because we'll get the scarcity in a minute, but third base is one that gets ugly quick. Um, So I'm with you on the two closers and then I was almost making a point to wait on starting pitching as long as I felt comfortable because there it is way deep, so I just wanted to attack all the great bats I could. We'll see how it works. It, you know, it, it could be murky, but uh, the strategy is going to be very interesting to see who wins these things because it's uh, it literally it's the early drafts. We don't know what's going to happen. Half the guys weren't signed when we started. Injuries, spring training, there could be you can have half a roster that the season starts. It's 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 going to be yeah. uh, some pretty fun stuff. But the other part is only well, I don't say only. It's fifty bucks. Which is which is cheap for NFC standards. And I'm using it to really ramp up for the other drafts. Like, how are you utilizing Gladiator not just to kind of you know fill teams out, obviously, but to kind of prep for your other like your DCs and your, your other real leagues, is what I'm gonna call call
2: Um it's not really something that I'm looking it it's I'm not really taking a my strategy in the Gladiator and like trying to implement that into a DC. I think it's just different of a format whereas you know in dc's you can kind of build your roster with a lot of uh rookies and stuff like that towards the end high upside guys injury prone guys um like somebody like buxton i'm not there's just no chance i'm yeah. taking him in the in gladiator somebody like bryce harper i'm not there's no chance i'm taking him in the gladiator but he makes tons of sense in the dc because if you only miss half the season you can still implement somebody else off your bench to cover that their other half of the season so You know, the stats aren't, you know, too bad between Harper plus replacement. Whereas in a gladiator, you're just going to be taking a zero for three months. And so they're they're different strategies. The one thing I am doing, um, the the same in both is kind of what I mentioned earlier that I'm going to, I'm going with bats and I'm going with at least one closer early, earlier. Uh, in Gladiators, I'm generally taking the second closer a little bit earlier, whereas in DCs, um, this is something I implemented last year for my strategy. I was doing a lot of one elite closer and then a bunch of specs. Um, I do like that in DCs as, again, and that's uh, kind of the strategy I'm going to go with there.
1: Yeah, so similar with you. Uh, and you made a good point there on like the Gladiators uh, compared to, like your DCs and your 50s is, you know, you're, I can't even draft Harper as much as I love him he's out for half the season and at DC if you draft properly you're like okay cool I'll bring you back in like July and like you could kind of find a way to make it work Buxton like all these guys even Tim Anderson I won't touch because the dude just doesn't play games like it's just so many guys and you know nothing's perfect because you know everyone gets hurt but there's a slew of guys like Luis Robert who I love I'm not touching him in the gladiator just not happening um it, it's a weird deal we're gonna talk about him later actually but um it, it is a definitely different philosophy but the reason I like them so much is what it's helped me with a lot for my prep already is it's really pointed out like depth of certain player pools in a big, big way. Like you can do your research and get ideas, but like you'll look at ADP sheets or something. And be like, okay, well, I can make arguments for X, Y, and Z. You get in that draft room and that stuff gets dark quick, like real quick. Um, I mentioned third base earlier. Uh, for most that pay attention. Five team outfield or five player outfielders in a 15 team dries up quick. What positions? Yep. It could be those two. Are there anything else you're seeing that it gets ugly pretty quick uh, in, in the, the positions?
2: Yeah, it's outfield and third base for sure. Um, this is, I is really no question about it. If you look at third base, the last guy that I'm really comfortable in taking is, is probably like, you know, Gunnar Henderson, yep. him and Bregman, and they both go in the sixth round. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I don't have, uh, if I don't have a, third base locked up in the first six rounds it's it can get pretty dicey. Yeah. Outfield yeah, is outfield is something that's uh I've always thought this I've always liked to attack outfield early and um and this year even more so. There's just again it's it's five outfielders in a 15 team league and you're looking at you know like guys like Jake McCarthy's going in the ninth round. Yeah it's not that I have anything against Jake McCarthy, but he was kind of like a flash in the pan last year. Like now you're spending a ninth round pick on him. Like that's, but that's kind of what, you know, just the way it goes, like Taylor Ward, same thing. He's going in the 10th round. So it's like, you know, these guys are just far from guaranteed. And then you got, you know, you still have a bunch of outfielders that, you know, kind of underperformed last year. You know, Chris Bryant was hurt all year. Tyler O'Neill underperformed and hurt. These guys are all going at premium picks. So, you know, I it's it's just something I'll feel that I like to get at least one or two early and and kind of go from there.
1: Hundred percent with you. I've been doing that in gladiators and my uh, my fifties. I've been doing it's I actually have been a 50 right now. I think I have all five outflowers through 12 rounds, which I've never done that quick. But it's just been one of those like as the drafts been falling to me, I'm like, I still like depth at other positions, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna keep filling this thing up. And I'd rather have my backups have some upside than you know how it goes in some of those deep, deep rounds, and you're just like, well, they might play for a month. Like, that's what you're hoping for. And so it's, it's a little different, but outfield does get, get weird because, especially in the gladiator format, you need all those at bats you can get. So the longer you wait, you're getting guys that might not have full time roles or more of a maybe strong side of a platoon, but still a platoon. And that's just one of those deals that, you know, it sounds silly because injuries will happen. But, you know, every time you lose a set of at bats in a game, it's going to add up in a, in a big way. So, so that little stuff helps as well.
2: So. Yeah, and, and one other thing with the Gladiator with a uh, little bit different strategy is I generally am targeting higher batting average players a little more. Just yeah, because yeah. injuries happen, your batting average doesn't really get affected that much. Same with your, you know, the ERA and, and WHIP. So those are, you know, three important categories to, to try to really build up. And then you just hope for health for the rest of your roster to, you know, take the counting stats to another level.
1: Yeah, it makes like there's certain guys I've been a big backer up in recent years, but like everyone says, oh, they suck. They don't try guys out and whatever. I'm like, I get it. But in Gladiator, guys like to me, like Cal Quantrill and stuff later are tremendous just because they get the ratios and they can help you. When you do take that six and seven starter later that you're talking about, that might kind of hurt you a little bit. He can kind of like even things out a little uh, a little. So it's just a, a weird way to go about it. But there's certain guys that definitely to me have more appeal. Uh, in those four months, just for stability's sake, hoping that stays in twenty
2: twenty three. Marcus uh, Stroman, Marcus. Stroman's yeah, you one took of him. Players. At, yeah, I
1: think you took. Yeah, you took him the other night in our draft. And I'm like, he's boring. He doesn't strike guys out, but man, you know those ratios are pretty consistent as they come, <laughs> and that's all you. It's all you care about about that point in the draft. So yeah, I'm with you.
2: Yeah, his whip has been solid the last couple of years, and you know his whip used to not be very good. It, it was always kind of a downfall. One of the reasons I kind of avoided him because that between the whip and the lack of strikeouts, but his whip has been really solid the last couple of years. He doesn't give up a lot of home runs, so he's just like that's like a perfect gladiator target, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: um, so we got third base, we got outfield for depth wise in the negative situation. Um, are there certain positions that you're seeing? You know what I'm willing to wait on so I can attack my relief pitchers, my third base, my outfield. You're like I, I trust the depth at, at these positions.
2: Uh. Believe it or not, catcher is, uh, in my opinion, pretty deep. Man, uh, my man. It's, my man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's the deepest that I can remember it being. Uh huh. I'm going like,
1: to clip that to send that to people that call me an idiot for liking catcher so
2: much this year. <laughs> I mean, to honestly, like catchers is it's kind of boring to talk about, but honestly, it can really make or break your team because if you can uh-huh. get good production out, especially in two catcher leagues, you get good production out of both catchers. It's such a leg up on the advantage uh leg up on the on the competition yep
1: uh, it's tremendous and and the part of like the depth part you mentioned especially these gladiators if you trust your knowledge of the depth and what you're comfortable with you can wait instead of taking one of those early guys because we, we we can all acknowledge how great the jtrs and those guys are like they're phenomenal but i think in this format more than anything where you need such quality that you can get at each position i think sacrificing like a third outfielder or something At that point in the draft instead of taking one of these catchers later is a big uh, trade-off in my mind that i I, i've started to it's only been a couple drafts but i I figured that out pretty quickly um doing catcher research and everything that i'm with you outside of like the elite elite guys there's a big pool of very similar players and they're still good they're still good they're still good but they're very similar it's a big pool so just be comfortable there basically
2: Another position, I think, is second base. I think yeah. it's it's crazy. You can see all the all the second basemen that kind of, you know, basically busted last year. Jorge Polanco, Brandon Lau, um, Jonathan India. Those guys are all going at a huge discount yeah. now. Big, big
1: discount. Uh, we just released our second base rankings at Gaining the Edge and Curling, myself, and Jorge do the positions because Simeon's the elitist that does pitching. So the, the three of us were doing hitters in the hall last week when we were do, doing second base prep. We were all joking, like, out, after, like, the top five or six, maybe seven second basemen, it feels ugly, but it's deep ugly. Like, they're so similar, because so you mentioned the guys coming off injuries, and there's, like, the Colton Wong, so I love, like, nothing flashy, but he's, like, there's a whole bunch of players like that mm-hmm. as you go down second base, where, again, if you're comfortable there, you don't have to push the envelope on your l and, you know, Albie's off an of injury, and, and those kind of guys, so. Uh, definitely another avenue to look at a second base so we're on the same page there first base is not as deep as it once was which was interesting to pay attention to it short stops another one where it doesn't feel as deep as usual fish i don't know about you like it's there but it's like you start getting stuck in the Jorge Mateo worlds and stuff and it doesn't leave you all warm and fuzzy
2: yeah no shorts um shorts an issue if you don't get it within you know the first seven eight rounds there's um i'm i'm Thrilled with Wander Franco and in the, in the seventh, Willie Adames. Um, I'm even fine with Jeremy Pena, even though he's probably not a huge target for me. But I'm fine with him. I like a Rosario a lot. He's yep. gonna, you know, get a lot of counting stats, give me some speed, good average, and he's going in the ninth in DCs, So that's um, that's a good target, I think. Nico Horner is another one. He's he's gonna gain short. He's gonna gain shorter second. He's going whatever he doesn't have yet.
1: He'll gain that pretty quickly because of the yep. moves the Cubs are making. So that'll. Something to consider for those drafting those deeper leagues. So, so yeah, far.
2: but, but after Nico Horner, it's, it's ugly. Like, I don't want anything to do with Baez. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in Jorge, Jorge Mateo, Mondesi. Um, I do have a few shares of Ezekiel Tovar, yeah, um, with, with Colorado, but you know, he's far from proven. Same with CJ Abrams. Like, C.J. Abrams, I'll take, yeah. some, take some shots on those guys, but. Not as, my gonna do. not as my yeah. starter
1: not as my starter I that's not what i want and it's funny you mentioned willie adamas and, and jeremy pena i think in i've done two gladiators and 250 so if i'm in my third 50 i think i have adamas or pena and probably four of the five like I, i'm in that same world where i'm okay like kind of waiting because i get like jram early or something or an outfielder so my god like, ah, well i'm not gonna go to elite short stops so let's wait but you play chicken and make sure you, <laughs> you get one of those guys before it's all said and done um what other early takeaways do you, if you have any, for this draft season? I know you've, you've done a few DCs, you've done your gladiators, you're getting ramped up for your uh, your, go, your DC stretch here pretty soon. Uh, what uh, other thoughts do you have on this
2: early draft season? It's just the pitching, like the 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 amount of pitching in rounds five through, I mean five through eleven. There's just so many good pitchers there. It's just it's kind of got me off of. My what I did last year basically, aces and bases. Like, I, I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to get any Cole or Burns this year. I just obviously I, those guys are amazing, but it's like is Zach Gallen that much different than those guys who's going three rounds later? I mean, you Darvish had another huge year, he's going in the, the sixth again. Uh you know, Joe Musgrove just had a really nice year, Tristan McKenzie. I mean, there's just so many starting pitchers that are going in in those you know four through uh eleven or so I just it's it's gonna be really tough for me to go. Uh first of all I think pocket aces is just completely off the board. I don't even really think it's an option anymore. Um I mean obviously if you if you're picking from the back end 15 you get Cole Burns you're feeling pretty good about yourself, right? Like that's it's it's tough to go wrong with that. Um but you know, you're just as long as you're able to catch up on on the bats, which which there's a lot of good bats too. That's that's another takeaway. The first ten rounds is just voted. littered with mm-hmm. so much talent. um So you can kind of, if you fall behind early, there's still plenty of guys there. In, in any category, there's still plenty of guys to catch up on.
1: It's the old adage that some of the best players talk about time and time again is uh, when you're prepping for your draft, dra- like prep your draft backwards, work backwards. Because uh, that those first 10 rounds, like you said, you can do damage. So start prepping from like 20 to 11 and, and find what you like in those rounds to help you with your first 10 rounds. Uh, that'd be my two cents because, um, yeah, the first 10 rounds, you can almost do whatever kind of setup you want for your roster. And you should feel OK walking away from that and, and see where it goes. So I'm 100 percent with you. The depth is pretty crazy right now i'll have to figure out a new name for you because if it's not aces and bases saves and i don't know i'm going to figure this one out like we're gonna have to get something for you because i thought we had to deal with rotaware in the works but i don't know if we're going to anymore if we're not going to rock it so because uh, that was so good last year aces and bases um but you're right. You don't need to as much unless you go bases, bases first, then go aces. Ace. Looks you're going closers. We got to figure something out. Yeah, we'll we'll work on this. Well, yeah, you, people that listen to my show and uh, John's show in the cut fantasy you need to uh, figure that one out. And um, before we head into some ADP debates, plug away your show. Like let everybody know what you guys got going over there. You and Ryan, and putting up some good stuff over there.
2: Yeah, Ryan Bonancio and I came up with an idea in the summer to do a fantasy baseball and basketball podcast. There's um there's really no fantasy basketball podcast that kind of you know talk about the NFBKC, which is the basketball format on the on the on the Play NFC site, and so and obviously Ryan and I both enjoy baseball and, and he's super knowledgeable with the baseball and the things too. So um, you know we made it a dual sport podcast and we had a lot of fun with the basketball we we did some live shows with that and now we're you know now we're into baseball and um we have been off for a couple weeks because just some issues going on with us and uh you know sick and holidays and stuff like that so but we'll be back on uh shortly here again uh covering you know each of the positions and we'll probably do some live streams as well but yeah check us out over at in the cut fantasy sports podcast Yeah, two good guys. I'd highly, highly recommend it. Uh, Ryan's been on the show a few
1: times as well. Two very, very good listens. And for those of basketball, like like Fish said, there ain't much basketball content out there. So uh, that's a very good niche you guys are putting together, especially in the doldrums of baseball season. You can kind of tickle the itch for everything else. Um, Let's do a little ADP talk. You know, why not? It's going to be something we'll do pretty much all off season. but it's fun to get some early thoughts here so you just kind of jumbled together. You and I both know this will likely change a lot going forward because it's a a good idea of kind of the popular names what people are kind of debating literally in drafts right now as we speak so let's start with the catcher's position here and early on catcher wise you know we talked about the depth of catcher but if you do take one early the fourth and fifth catchers off the board are salvi Perez and adley rushman about 64 uh and 66 overall give or take in draft champions over the last month um it's a very, very interesting deal. you got Salvi, who's going to DH primarily, it looks like, with Melinda's back, or maybe not. Maybe Melinda's DH is plays the outfield. Who knows? But Salvi should play his games barring injuries. But you got Adley, who kind of took over last year and swept the world by storm once he got comfortable fish. So how do you approach these two? And I know some of these we might not even want any of the guys involved. We might just be passing on them in general. But say you had to take one of these two. Where do you stand?
2: Uh, for me, it's Salvi. It's... Uh pretty clear for me too i just there's so much more power upside there i think that um you know i love adley and he's gonna be obviously amazing for for his whole career but he's still still pretty young i think he's i don't think he's into his you know prime power seasons yet but i do think that adley's gonna he's gonna play pretty close to every day just like uh just like Selvi is so I do like uh, that aspect of things for both of them, but I just think that Selby's got the much more power potential. I think for Adley to to really jump him, um, you know, barring injury for either one of them, he's going to need to hit somewhere around 280, 290. Uh, and I just, I don't know if he's quite there yet. I mean, he's, he's got the ability to, but, you know, only at 254 last year. But, um, yeah, I think we're just a year or two ahead of Adley's prime, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with you. This was a tough one when I've done my catching research. It's like you can make – I could see people putting the flag on either side of this fence. Um, To me, kind of a tiebreaker would be that we've seen it from Salvi enough. And if you're taking a catcher this early, I want that power for sure. Kind of goes to what we talked about with the depth of catcher. You can get a lot of like 10 to 13 home run guys later on. And, you know, Adley should eventually, if he's not going to this year, be more than 10 to 13. But at the same time, if I'm going to get a guy that hits like 250 – with 13 home runs and, and okay, get counting stats, I can get something similar probably later on at the catcher's position, and I can go elsewhere where Salvi legit can hit 30 to 40 home runs, and you wouldn't be shocked. And um, especially with that that Royals lineup with Melendez and uh, Vinny P and Bobby, White, you'd have to, you'd hope they take another step forward with what they're doing there. And if they do, and, and Salvi's hitting third or fourth, that's going to be a beautiful thing. So I'm with you. If I'm going catchers early, and
2: this is a scenario I have, I am going to go Salvi as well. And I'll say one thing about um, each of them. Uh, one more thing I should say about each of them. Salvador Perez is going to get you m- way more RBIs, and Adley's going to get you way more runs. If Adley's going to hit second, you know, he's, his RBI opportunities just aren't going to be there. The bottom of the Orioles lineup isn't very good. And then you got, you know, Cedric Mullins, and that's really it. So um, the RBI totals are going to be.
0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
2: Far more in favor of Salvador and runs are going to be far more in favor of Adley.
1: Great point. Great point. I will stick at the catcher's position here for those that are going to quickly figure it out i got about two for each position that's how it's going to go here so catcher's position here this one's fun to me because these guys just got involved in a trade together and they're getting drafted next week. the 10th and 11th catcher off the board sean murphy 80 pick of about 80p of about pick 137 uh, and william Contreras about 139.5 now william is now the favorite catcher in john fish's household because he's with the milwaukee brewers but um the this is a really interesting move and i got my th- strong thoughts on this one but i want to hear fishes first because um
2: yeah i'm gonna wait if i'm not gonna say anything else i'm what you give, give your thoughts here <laughs> okay so this one is super close for me uh first of all i think they both get a bit major bump um especially william maturus william maturus in my opinion was a huge fade until this trade happened now i'm all about him so i'm for me I don't know who I would choose between both of them. So I know that's not the answer we want to hear. I like them both. If uh, you know, if I'm, if I don't have any catchers and I'm drafted from the one spot or the 15 spot, I wouldn't hesitate double tapping them. I like both of them uh, quite a bit. I think that uh, William Gutierrez. First of all, I was off him because on Atlanta, he was only going to get half the at bats. Like I don't care what anybody says, he was only like they're going to play Travis Darnold a lot. Travis Darnold was good last season. And then I could all of a sudden just sit him. Um, And I know the DH and all that stuff, but they have plenty of other players that are going to be, you know, there's some injuries, some guys are out. So um, those guys would be back. But now that he's on Milwaukee, now he doesn't, he's got nobody to to worry about because the rest of the Brewers team is horrendous. Um, So I I don't need to go on a rant about the Brewers. For Sean Murphy going from Oakland Pitchers Park with a terrible lineup to now being with Atlanta, even if he's hitting a little bit further down the lineup, it's so much better. The 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 numbers are going to be a little bit higher. Uh, the counting stats, RBIs, runs. Uh, I would imagine the home runs go up a little bit. Um, I don't think he's going to play quite as much as he did. Nope. Um, so I guess if I had to choose, I would take William Contreras over Sean Murphy. We're still friends. That's good. Um, <laughs> I
1: had a few questions. I was going to like ask some really snarky questions, but we're going to leave it at that then. Because um, one of my biggest questions is, you said William was not going to play at least half the at-bats of Travis. Well, how does Murphy get that luxury of Travis is so good still?
2: Well, because I think that he almost has to. Like, they paid uh-huh. a pretty penny for him. Yeah. Um, so I, it was a little bit of a head-scratcher for some yeah. Braves fans. Uh, so, you know, they kind of have to make it, make it look good. So I think he's going to – even though I said some of these other guys will be DH, and I think he's going to get some DH yeah. games just 100%. to get, bump those numbers up
1: i agree the the hard part the, the the murphy dilemma and where i'm kind of sitting is the dude played more games than any catcher in baseball last year had more at bats any catcher in baseball i like it's ungodly what he did thinking he played for such a bad team it, and what he could have done in a good team in a good ballpark with that much playing time goodness gracious but so it's like okay does he keep his quality of play up on a better team with fewer games and how does that, like, that? that's where the the fun guessing game starts to, to rely, where now you got William, who's still at 20, like, homers, and he's to probably play 25 to 30 more games in a very still-hitter-friendly ballpark. Um, and so now he's going to get a boost, you'd imagine. So now it's kind of like one of those things. Um, I'm Team William. I am. There, there's guys throughout draft season you plant flags on and you're going to live and die with. William is one of them. I have him in every single draft I have done so far. Um, so... I might need to diversify eventually, but I was getting him before the trade when the value was really nice, and I think he moves up for me. And this is where it gets maybe stupid to many. He's like a top five or six catcher for me with 130 games in Milwaukee, just for the power. He, why can't he be Salvy Perez? Why, like, or or better with that kind of power? I might be overthinking this. I might be overzealous. I might just be telling myself because I drafted him everywhere this is what he's doing. I just think he has that potential too. Like the dude's got crazy power. Um, We'll see. I think the fun debate that many should have, or for those who like to write articles and stuff, do a Wilson Contreras versus William Contreras debate. I think that's a very intriguing one. Uh, yeah. I think I think it's closer than people
2: think. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, um, I think I think we're willing to trust. I think his home run per fly ball was pretty high last year, but I think it's going to be offset because he's going to be playing so much more. So I think that yeah, he's going to be up. he's now a target for me. I was I was upset, and then I was like, well, I got a lot of draft season left, so I can still get my amount of shares. Like so,
1: I've, I've settled that. <laughs> it's going to be interesting, as for darn sure. Uh, let's go to the first base position here, and this is kind of a, a me versus a Fish one from the past. Uh, the ninth first base on the board is Reese Hoskins at ADP of 121. The tenth off the board is CJ Cron at 122, and that's flip flop from the early November drafts already. Uh, CJ's falling. I don't know if it's the narrative of how bad he is on the road, so you have to play that game. You can almost in DCs depending on – because last year, like, the Rocky schedule was beautiful. It's like one week in Coors, one week off. Like, there was no, like, mid – switches that often in cores. So if you can play the game right with CJ, he's still a beast. But uh, I think you can even admit it that the the road splits are tough with CJ, but who do you got between Hoskins and and CJ Crone?
2: Oh this is a close one for me. Um I had a lot of both these guys last year so I I think I'd probably choose Hoskins just because the the crone yeah away and home that the splits are just insane. I th- so I think I would just choose Hoskins just that I don't I guess in a DC if I already had a first baseman and maybe I even already had a corner and, Cro- and Krohn is on the board, maybe I'd take a shot there because then I can in NFB in NFBC you can change out hitters for the weekend so you know maybe if that in that situation I already have a first and a corner and I have utility open and they're both on the board maybe I go with Crone because I can switch another hitter in there when he is on the road. But uh, in general, yeah, I'd probably go Hoskins.
1: Yeah, I'm still Team Hoskins, but I will fully admit after I did my first base episode with Toby, he doesn't stand out as much as he used to because the value isn't like it used to be such value based for me with Reese. And still, the ninth first base on the board isn't bad, but he stood out like a sore thumb where he used to be going, where now you look at ADP and it's a little trickier. But when we're doing just Reese versus CJ, because that is the question, like I gotta stick to my rules here, I'm going, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go Reese Hoskins too, because I am a believer like, He's a 250 to 260 hitter. That's who he is. If he stays healthy, which he's done more than people give him credit for, like everyone says he's injury prone, he really isn't as much as you want to give him credit for. Uh, and he's a 30 to 40 home run dude in a very good lineup. And without Bryce there for the first half, he's going to hit in probably a pretty darn good spot for the first half of the season with the guys. And, he, and I don't think it's going to hinder him too much when Bryce comes back. But um, I think there's a lot of production there. We saw it with no Schwarber, we know Rio Mito, They got Trey Turner. Like there's not much not to like there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, with Reese as well That's just because I, I, I think home road don't matter for Reese, and I'm going I'm to stick with that one. All right, the next first base one, though, this is interesting, is the way I'll put it because there's layers to this, like an onion, if you really want to and peel it. Uh, 14 first baseman off the board is Anthony Rizzo with an ADP of 157. Ryan Mountcastle with an ADP of 162 is the 15th first baseman off the board. Rizzo's coming back to the Yankees, which is perfect for that swing of his. Um, there were some less than desirable traits from Rizzo in 2022, but the power was not. That was there. That was beautiful. And you got Mountcastle, who was a beast, and he got screwed hard by the new fences in Baltimore. The numbers show, I think it was never like seven to ten home runs he lost out on. Now um, I not change because the fences aren't changing, but something to think about. So Rizzo versus Mountcastle, how do you look at that one?
2: Uh, this one's Rizzo for me pretty easily. Um, back to the Yankees, it's just a perfect situation for him. And uh, I think that we see his batting average come up a little bit. I mean, he's not going to be super elite or anything, but, you know, he had a 216 BABIP and I think maybe the, um, the shift uh, will help out a little bit with that. And, you know, he still doesn't strike out like barely at all. So he's, you know, he's back in Yankee Stadium for the short portion. Right. I think that everything is just kind of status quo for him with maybe a little bit more upside. Mount Castle, I do have a lot of Mount Castle, and I, I actually like Mount Castle. I think he's gonna be a, a solid contributor. And I think he's like you know, twenty three to twenty-five home runs with good RBI numbers and an average that doesn't hurt you. So if you do miss out on first base, like I'm not completely against taking him. I already have a couple times, like I said. Uh but yeah, the the fence, the, the fence is moving back definitely killed him.
1: Yeah, we're on the same page there because early in draft season, I was kind of we all have our biases. And Rizzo, I just kind of like block out. I'm like, no, you know, you're so lucky. I'm like, why am I com- complaining? He's going back to that ballpark. What am I? I'm a freaking idiot. I'm, I'm complaining about the wrong thing here. Um, and I have a lot of Mount. I, I have some Mount Castle as well because they you know, had the 23, 25 home runs mm-hmm. and that's legit. And, you know, maybe he pulls some more. He hits those on the road next year instead of at home. I, who knows? Like the, the dude's talent is very, very real. And you mentioned rushman scoring more runs. That's because Mount Castle will be one of the guys that we'd be driving him in. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a perk as well. So like you said, if you kind of miss out on first base, which can happen in these drafts, I have no problem walking away with mountain castle. That's totally fine with me. Um, but I'm starting the more and more I've looked into Rizzo since doing that show with Toby is I am starting to buy in like the average is horrific last year, but we've seen him be a much better hitter in the past and without the shift, maybe that helps him. Who knows? That's pure speculation, but his OBP skills are undeniable, deniable and the power is undeniable. So um i'm i am starting to buy into rizzo a lot more and i i wonder if more people will because if i'm dumb enough to do it i think others will too um so the adp maybe comes up but for now he could be one of the better first base i don't know if value is the right word but like i guess floors first base floors like you know you kind of know what you're getting with rizzo but there's upside at that point in the draft so kind of a fan of that yep i agree all right let's go to second base position and this one hurts because it's it's been a rough go here but uh we got a three man run here. Jazz Chisholm is the second second baseman at pick basically 45. Altuve at pick 46. And I threw Ozzy Albies in there at pick 53. He's not as close, but that's kind of the, the three pack before it drops off a little bit here. We got Chisholm, he could have had literally like a 30 30 season or 25 25 until he got hurt. Altuve had an amazing 2022. And then Albies got hurt as well. So do you go off the old man in the great year or one of the two young guys hoping they bounce back from injury? This is a tricky one for even me. So, how are you looking at this one, Fish?
2: Um, so, so Aussie, I'll Albies, I'll start with him. He, he's um, he's definitely third for me in this trio. But I think Dansby actually leaving might might move him back up into the two slot, which would That's obviously huge. be huge for him. Um, but if if not, then you know he's kind of just status quo. But uh, for me, it's Altuve number one still. He's going to have the much higher batting average. And we saw the steals come back a little bit. So, you know, with the new rules, like I wouldn't, I, I, would, I guess I'd expect 15 at least from him again. And we, we've seen high 20s power and just his ability to stay on the field has, has been much better than Jazz. Now, Jazz is super exciting, right? He's got the power speed combo. Uh, the problem with Jazz is the park isn't great and the team is horrific. So you're looking at very, very low RBI totals, and I know El Tuve was down RBI total this past year, but he was you know significantly higher in 2021 with about the same amount of games played. So I would expect the RBIs to go somewhere uh, up a little bit from last year with El Tuve. But yeah, for Jazz, it's just uh, ability to stay on the field. It's a it's a subpar lineup, and it's you know the batting average just isn't going to be nearly as high as Altuve. Yeah, this this one hurts. I'm going Altuve one for sure
1: because, um, especially that early in the draft, like you want to. I, I like taking my chances later in a draft. Altuve is about as consistent as they come, and that's not even when you're drafting on you're not even counting like a high stolen base total. So when he throws that in, it's, it's gravy. It's like you're looking at average, decent pop actually, still scoring a bunch of runs, and then kind of throwing in some steals and some RBIs, and we're good. And he's gonna do that, I think, until he gets hurt. Like, I don't see how he doesn't in that lineup leading off. So I'm, I'm with you on Altuve. I think I have Albie second, mainly because I like that ballpark better. Quote: um, cool, He hasn't shown to be injury prone. That's like his first big injury. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. for a bounce back where and this is why it pains me for anybody that knows me. I love Jazzism. Chisholm. He is the, like you say, he's fun to watch. He is very good. There's no denying that. But the dude, I hate to put the label starting to maybe be injury prone. This is like a trend now. I like, guess it's a yearly trend, and it sucks to say because he's so young. Um I hope he proves me wrong. If I have to go through these three, it's gonna be Altuve, Albies, and Chaz for me. And that really hurts. Really? (laughs) Because this will be the year he stays healthy and just totally goes scorched earth on and then I'll have to do the Toby tour of shame basically with uh with Jazz Chisholm. That's 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 (laughs) gonna happen. It's gonna really, really sting. Let's go to the next one here. We got Tommy Edmond. This is a fun one. Tommy tanks. Fish was on Team Tommy Tanks last year. Six-second baseman off the board, pick 83. But you got Andres Jimenez, who finally showed the pedigree everyone dreamed about. And now he's a 2nd baseman off the board at pick 86. So they're going three picks apart. Power-speed combo. Maybe more power with Jimenez. Maybe more speed with Edmond. A lot to like with both these guys. They're both young. Uh, so lots to like kind of maybe what you want with your team. Who knows? How are you going with these two?
2: Oh, this one's this one's easy, easy for me. Uh, this is Tommy Edmund. There's no question about wow, it. Uh, yeah, we we just saw Edmund basically do what I thought that he would do this past season, and I was expecting 15, 25. I was expecting a little bit more in the home run department. Um, you know, he finished just shy of that, but he he stole I think thirty bases again. So um, it's it's Tommy Edmund for me. I know everybody's concerned about where he hits in the lineup. Uh, Well, in this comparison here, Andres Jimenez also does not hit the top of the lineup. So uh, it's it's easily Tommy Edmund for me. I have some concerns with uh, Jimenez. I think the speed is pretty legit, but I'm not sure we see that high of an average again. He had a really high BABIP. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. His K rate was fine. He doesn't draw a lot of walks, which I really don't care too much about when with my fantasy guys if they walk or not, um, unless it's an OBP league. But I don't play OBP leagues, so Um, I think the steals are pretty legit. But I, it's tough to see that power, um, that power output again. But I, you know, I guess fifteen and fifteen and twenty five isn't out of the question for him either. But I definitely think that the batting average comes down, no question.
1: I could see the bad average for sure. The one thing I like, in yeah, it's not taking for Tommy. We've seen Tommy do it for two seasons now. We know who Tommy Edman is. If he leads off, he's elite. We know these things about Tommy Edman. I'm going to take the upside here on Andres Jimenez. Call me foolish. Call me what you wish. And there's, this is like a young Jazz to me, like 2020 type stuff. Jazz doesn't hit for average either. I'm fully aware of that. But um, Jimenez is 24. So he's still developing his power. He's still developing like you saw a strikeout rate drop almost five percent last year. Hits the ball on the ground a time, but his barrel rate in- increased, like doubled last year. We saw like things go in the right direction. Um, and in that team, you know, maybe just hanging out with JRM does wonders for this guy. Like just like, hey, just come under my wing, learn a few things, kid. We'll figure it out. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on that one. I know there's the Tommy Tanks world. I'm gonna get probably, you know, Rob D coming at me now because that's what they'll call me a meatball or something. But uh it, it, you know, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I like meatballs. Look at me. We're good. But um yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go Jimenez on this one. I, I put it there on purpose I knew I knew fish's answer. So I wanted to have, I wanted to have some fun with this. We can't we can't agree on everything. So we gotta have a little fun on the show.
2: Yeah I just uh, for Jimenez chase rate was eighth percentile. Oh, yeah well, yeah I don't I don't longer. disagree with what you said. There's a lot to be terrified with, <laughs> trust
1: me. It's like it's like it has a little Javi Baez feel to it. I I
2: well aware yeah, of this, one. I, I, I do agree with you that you know he is 24 years old, so you know he's kind of coming into his prime right now. We did see a little bit of a breakout, so. Can he build on it or not? That's kind of the question. And I just don't – I think he takes a little bit of a step back, and you think he takes a step forward. So yeah, that is what it is. it
1: is. Yeah, it's going to be one of those. <laughs> and Trust me, it's not like William Contreras. I'm not going heavy on Anders Menes in my drafts. But if he's there, I'm not afraid to take him, unlike some other players. It's just – it's mm-hmm. not a full-on target, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's at a shortstop, where this one is kind of what do you need for your team is the way I look at this one. Uh, the seventh shorts are the, oh, this switch, since I did this this morning. Um, six shorts, about the board? Neil Cruz at uh, ADP of 70. Corey Seeger's the seventh at ADP of 71. And then we have Dansby Swanson, the eighth at ADP of 79. So you got Cruz, Seeger, Swanson, Fish. How do you go about these three?
2: Uh, I, I want Seager. Um, he is going to hit for a much higher average than he did this past season. This is uh, another guy that just he does not strike out, and you know it was his first year in in the the, you know on the Rangers in that ballpark, you know in that league, and he had a horrific BABIP, and the shift is going to be another thing that helps him quite a bit. Now, obviously, you're not going to get the speed that you get from O'Neill Cruz. So, if I draft the way I the way I draft, you know, I get my stolen bases early. This is where. Corey Seager becomes a huge target because Corey Seager is going to have 30 home runs roughly, you know, give or take, and he's going to have elite, elite counting stats. The home run or the RBIs and the runs are going to be much higher than O'Neill Cruz because the, the lineup, you know, O'Neal's O'Neill Cruz strikes out too much. Still. Um, obviously we love the tools. He hits the ball as hard as anybody he can run as fast as anybody. <laughs> His throws from shortstop to first are insane. Um, but yeah, I think we still see uh, Corey Seager really be the the you know the best option here. He had a 242 Babbitt last year, yeah. only a 15.5 percent K rate, and only hit two, hit 242, so or 245. But uh, yeah, I think we see him get close to 300 again, like he you know has been for multiple seasons of his career. Dansby is a guy that um, I do have quite a few shares of. Um, believe it or not just because kind of where he's going I think he kind of goes a little bit after those guys so if I do miss out on those guys I do um, get Dansby and I like Dansby I think he's going to be uh you know really solid for the Cubs and I'm a Brewers fan I hate the Cubs but I love a lot of their players I love what they're doing Um, the Cubs fans should be really excited about their team I think but uh yeah Dansby you know he just came off a huge year career year right and I don't think he gets quite to those numbers just because he's with Chicago now instead of Atlanta, but I think he gets somewhere close there. I think he's a nice power-speed combo, and, um, you know, the counting stats should be there uh, with him hitting up the, towards the top of the lineup. But I would take Seager first. I probably would go Dansby second just because the counting stats are going to be so much better than O'Neill Cruz, and then, yeah, then I'd take Cruz third.
1: Yeah, we're on the same page there. Cruz, to me, just has a lot more proving to do. There's a lot of uh... – it's exciting, like you said, but there's lots of swing and miss in that swing. Lots of swing and miss in that swing. So, um, y'all yeah, watch him on baseball uh, MLB tonight on MLB Network and enjoy it from that. Maybe I'll play DFS with him once in a while, but uh, that's about it. Seager, uh, it, it's all about the batting numbers for me. He's got that. If you need steals later, Swanson's the guy, so I have it. Seager, Swanson, uh, Cruz. The, the fun one for me, this wasn't on the sheet, but I, I always think of these two together, Seager and Xander. And Xander's going 20 picks later. They're very similar to me because they usually both hit for pretty good average. You know, Seager had the 33 homers last year. But he's usually more of a, you know, low to mid-20s guy. That's what Xander is. There's a to me, they have a very similar profile. And now they're going 20 picks apart, unlike the way it used to be. So would it be like if you like Seager, would you be willing to, if you miss Seager, wait for Xander? Or do you still want a guy in between like a Swanson or um, you know, Tommy Tanks is going in between those two as well? Would those be guys you look at, or would you wait for guy like Xander? uh that you know maybe not get you the steals we we'll get you he's projected many cleanup in San Diego.
2: Yeah I'm totally fine with Xander. I, I actually have uh I think I still have the max pick on Xander in uh, round eight of DC. Okay. I couldn't believe it. I think I have the max pick on him and Jose Abreu in the same draft. Oh, um boy. Xander the the stability, man stability oh, Abreu in the 11th. Yeah. I tweeted out I'm like what nobody likes these guys anymore? Yeah. Like what's what's going on here? Cause they're boring. And yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think I, I'm not really sure what to expect from Xander power and speed wise new league. I'm a little bit nervous about those. I think, you know, maybe he goes 20 and five, 20 home runs and five steals, but yeah, the batting average and the counting stats, especially are going to be through the roof on that, in that lineup.
1: For sure. Uh, another shortstop one is kind of funny because we mentioned these names earlier, but kind of the cutoff point, if you kind of want it shortstop and here we are at the cutoff point, of sure. Willie Adamas is the 13th shortstop off the board to pick 100. Jeremy Payne is the 14th to pick 108. Um, Adamas is power. And this is a guy that for years, you know, everyone gets similar to I'm not going to say Jimenez and him are the same. But forever, people thought because Adamas has been around for so long that he was so old, but he's not. He's now going to be 20. He's only 27 now. And when he was at the Rays, he was super, super young. So it, the powers continuing to develop. Um, you know, average is what it is, but we've seen that we saw Jeremy Jeremy Payne have a rookie of the year type season, and he's going to be on a great ball club. So, how do you go about the Adamus Jeremy Payne
2: situation? Uh, yeah, I would take Willie Adamus, and that's not even just being a homer. Uh, I think there's more power with Adamus, the counting stats are going to be uh, pretty solid. You know, he's going to hit right in the heart of the Brewers lineup, and he's going to need some steals too, which, um, you know, maybe he gets. Maybe he's somebody with the new rules that he can take a little bit of a jump on uh, in the stolen base department. Uh, I'm still curious to see how that's gonna work out. But yeah, I, I would go with Adamus. I think you're getting three solid categories and home runs, runs, and RBIs. Batting average, I think 238 that he hit last year. I think he's gonna come up from that. That's um that's a little that's his career low, actually. Um, by a pretty good amount too. So I think he's come he's gonna come back up to the 260 range and uh yeah, the, the, all the stolen bases you can you get from him is just gravy.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on William. Ad, to me, Adamus should be near Danzy Swanson. I, I'm like super high on Adamus. Uh, so I find him as a potential value. I know that's a word everybody hates to hear, especially this time of the year. But if you just look at comparable players at ADPs, I think Adamus is kind of getting the short of the stick on this one in my mind. But um, I don't mind it if he falls back here to Jeremy Payne. But yeah, Adamus overpaying it for me as well. Uh, we'll do. A, we'll hit the hot corner here. Uh, we got. This is an interesting one because we assume Raphael Devers is going to be playing third base for Boston this year. He should. He's still under contract, but there's some interesting conversations out there in the Twitter streets. Um, He's the fourth third baseman off the board at ADP 19. Yeah, Austin Riley, who backed up the big season. That was the big question last year. Can he back it up? He backed it up ADP of 21. So do you go Devers or Riley, the guy that's done it more than two seasons or the guy that's done really well for two seasons?
2: Yeah, I'm still gonna go with Devers here. Uh, even, on the, even
1: on the depleted roster.
2: Yeah, yeah, I am. Um it, I, I get it, I understand, yeah. but I don't know. I just think that uh the Devers is a little bit more of a guarantee to to perform. Um, you know, we've seen it for you know multiple seasons now, and yeah, and, and Riley's done it too. I mean he, he backed it up last year, he was terrific. I have no problem with him going at the end of the mid to end second uh, as well. So, um, I I would just it's slightly lean for for Devers.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on Devers. I've always been a huge Devers fan, but Riley's done has been impressive. There's no doubting that back to back Mm -hmm. years, uh, it's been next to amazing. I guess. But Devers can do, like he's done it every year, like every year. This is what Devers does no matter what's around him. So I'm going to I'm gonna roll with Devers with you as well, but I can't fault the Riley I thing. I guess that's why they're both going in the second round. So have fun with that. Uh, the next third baseman one, though, is interesting, especially when we talked about how this position falls off. Well, yeah, Gunnar Henderson's long gone by now. So we get to um, the 11th third baseman off the board is Cabrian Hayes. at pick 161. The 12th is Eugenio Suarez at 162. And the 13th is Matt Chapman at 164. And, yes, none of those names sound enticing, but we'll all find their way on some roster one way or another. So Hayes, Suarez, Chapman, because in all honesty, if you miss out on Gunnar Henderson, this is pretty much the last hurrah unless you really want to get ugly. So, like, you need to find one of these guys and find a way to like them is what it comes down to.
2: Yeah, for me, Hayes is uh, the clear, distant third here. Uh, There's just – There's no power there and it's just a bad lineup. I get it. The 20 steals are nice. Um, but there's just nothing else there that I that I like from him. Uh between the other two, you're not gonna get a very good ab- batting average. They're kind of very similar in that sense in that sense. But I mean, I think they're both gonna hit close to 30 home runs or on 30 home runs with good amount of runs and RBIs. So they're your prototypical three category bats. And between the two, I guess I'll take Chapman just because he's the one of the best defensive, you know, third baseman in the game. So he's always going to stay in the field even through struggles. So um yeah, I guess I'd go Chapman, but I I really like Eugenio too. So I'm good with either one of them.
1: Yeah, that's kind of why I'm glad you said it because with the thing with Eugenio, you know, he's back to 236 last year after 198 and the 202. Prior to those two rough, rough seasons, he's perennial, perennially been an okay bad average guy. And those two bad seasons, he had a 214, 224 Bab if he was back to 302 last year. He's been over 300 his entire career. So I think you're going to get more of the 230s. To, he's been even up in the 250, 260, 280s before. not thinking we're going to get there, but maybe 240, 245. What you will get is 30-plus home runs, I think. And that is big this late in the draft. And that's why he stands out to me as a guy that I wouldn't be as – bullish as some others might be on him um so i think i'm gonna go aohenio over chapman but i don't hate your argument it's really really close uh chapman has always been a beast he's shown the ability to be great great lineup i think i'm gonna go aohenio but um both both very very good and yes hayes the distant three for me as well all right the outfield real quick here the top two outfillers off the board can't really go wrong here but you got a cunha jr pick 2.3 J rod basically pick three. So I've seen, and I know you've done draft. I've seen both of them go. Number one, I've seen them go all yeah. over the place. Um, there's really, this is kind of a, whatever you feel like situation. I just want to get your thoughts on this one because they're both amazing. And I don't care which one you want to take. Cause yeah, you, it's fine. Who do you like?
2: Yeah. Again, I th- just to reiterate what you were saying, I'm perfectly fine with either one of them. Um, I have taken the Kuna. Uh, before J-Rod, I think twice now, actually. I don't have any J-Rod still. But, uh, yeah, it's it's probably Akuna for me just because of the track record. And I think, yeah, you know, he's another year removed from the torn ACL. So um, I think we see the power come back, and I think we see him be the, the massive fantasy stud that uh, we've seen in the past. Uh, J-Rod, I, I love J-Rod, but he just doesn't have the track record. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just Akuna based on the, just the track record.
1: Yeah, you got to you're grasping the straws right now, and that's just what yeah. you have to do. So, like, I'm with you 100%. I go Acuna, but it's it's one of those I make the joke like, give me like the fifth pick. Just that, like, or, actually, give me number one. I'll take J Ram, and you guys figure out the rest. Like, you guys can take your outfielder. Just give me J Ram. I'll walk away. But, um, that, that's where that one goes. It's, it's, it's a very fun watching every draft. Hey, which one's going to go where? Um, next up, though, we got a, a more interesting one, more potentially even one. You got Luis Robert Lubob at pick 44, 12th outfielder off the board. Then Cedric Mullins, 13th outfielder at pick 46. Both have some power and speed here. One stays on the field longer than others. One might have a higher ceiling if he ever could stay on the field. Big conundrum here. So do you take the upside and the hope he stays and plays with Robert, or do you take Mullins, who's pretty much done it two years in a row? He's not 30-30, but he's still been pretty darn good.
2: Yeah, this is a tough one. This is really tough. Uh, I think with Cedric Mullins, you're not going to get the RBIs that you would be able to get with with Lubop, but unfortunately, Lubop can't ever stay on the field. So uh, I'd probably go, I guess, with Cedric Mullins here just because, you know, if you're not going to be on the field, then I, I, t- I need to see it, right? Like, you need to see – once a guy – you need to see him stay healthy. He's never played a whole season. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the upside is – easily with with Lou Bob but um yeah I'll take the I'll take the guaranteed what I know I'm going to get out of Mullins I know I'm going to get 30 steals I know I'm not going to get a zero in in power and um yeah I'll take the you know whatever he hits for home runs is great I I wouldn't count on more than 15 but you know we have seen him go 30 30 so
1: yeah I'm gonna go Mullins too you know 156 159 games played over 670 plate appearances 30 plus stall bases nearly 90 plus runs hits for average just give me that consistency leading off. Like, I like, I, I love Lou Bob. Like, I think he's got. Uh, I'm not gonna say it because Kyle Tucker's even better now. But a couple of years ago, I thought they were very similar players when healthy. Um, but when healthy is the key word, like we've been saying. So, give me Cedric Mullins. I'll take. I'll take that, and it might be boring to some, but give me that floor. I'll take that 30s stone base upside with some power all day long. Uh, last one we have here is another fun one for me, at least in these early research and drafts. Uh, you got Eloy Jimenez at pick 79. George Springer at pick 80. Two guys that you can hit for average, can hit for power, don't steal many bases anymore, both have problems staying healthy. So this is a very interesting one with Eloy and Springer, but I have one. I know where my flag's planted for you.
2: Yeah, I've always been a Springer guy, but he's another one that just can't stay on the field. And, you know, he's kind of getting up there now. He's 33, I believe. Uh, Eloy, it's one thing after another with him, with injuries as well. But I do think that they, with Abreu gone, now I think they can just DH him. Uh, whether or not they do that, I don't know. I'm hoping they will because I'm going with a lot of Eloy so far this year. I mean, he's got to stay healthy one of these years. And I think with him not playing the field nearly as much or hopefully at all, I think we can finally see the elite elite four categories that he can provide. Um Actually, I should say elite three categories because he's never been a huge producer in runs. But, uh, I mean, he's, he's got the ability to hit 300 with 40 home runs and 115, 120 RBIs. So, um, yeah, give me give me Eloy over Springer. I know Springer stole some bases last year, but uh, I just, yeah, he's uh, – give me the younger guy that's coming into his prime. Yep, I'm team Eloy
1: with you as well. Like seeing what he did when he came back from the IL when they primarily DH'd him. Looked like the guy we've been wanting. So, like you said, Brady's out of the way. They should be able to like stay away from every outfield wall. Just leave them in the dugout. DH be, be the next big poppy. Be like whatever. Just stay in the dugout. Um, I, I'm with you. I think we'll see the the guy we've all hoped for for a long, long time. So, give me Eloy as well. Got two listener questions here. One's got two questions to it, but we'll get to that one shortly because Will is funny. But we'll start with Eric James Schmidt at EJ underscore Schmidt. He asks, my question is, how many Brewers is too many Brewers or any particular team for that matter? Like are, like some guys like to stack, like they use a DFS philosophy fish mm-hmm. when they do this. Do you have any care one way or the other? Like uh, we've seen guys in the past, even in non-DC formats and redrafts, like go all in on the Blue Jays two years ago and it crushed. Like there's... There's ways to make it work. You got to really have the the right mindset for it. But do you find a method that works for you?
2: Um, I no, I don't really worry about stacking. But yeah, it made a lot of sense when he took the Blue Jays a couple of years ago. Um, and then you know, if you took the if you paired the Blue Jays hitters a couple of years ago with the Brewers pitchers, um, you know, that's be a perfect perfect match. Uh, but as far as stacking Brewers hitters this year, I would not suggest doing that. They're going to have a very subpar offense um but uh yeah no I, I don't i don't stack at all
1: it's funny with the Brewers hitters though you can get like a value build of william concheros willie adamas christian yelich and rowdy telez if you're feeling frisky gonna throw it out there they're all like yeah. that middle area if you're feeling frisky and if they somehow clicks all of a sudden i don't think i'm gonna do it but it's sitting right there if you look at adp it's it's very doable yeah um rk willie g will garofalo who will be on the show next week for those that are care at all uh he's been on some other shows lately making the rounds really funny dude um he's got two it's a two-parter we'll start with the the fantasy one first i guess they're both fantasy actually but let's go to the fantasy baseball one first um give us some early adp fish faves so, so this goes to your shares <laughs> i guess like who are some of your favorite players right now
2: um uh, yeah it's gonna be uh class a has been a huge target for me um again with my new strategy with with dc's getting hitters and an elite closer so i'm taking i've taken a lot of class a right there in the middle of the second um f- uh, f- that's my pitcher for a hitter i mean i really want kyle tucker but i haven't gotten any shares yet it's been driving me insane Um, So I guess I can't really say him. Um, Yeah, I don't really know for a hitter. I mean, I really, really like where Altuve is going. Big fan of that. Rosa Reyna. I like that. It's just that that power speed combo that I like. Um, Yeah, so those are definitely two of the two nice
1: targets. Love it. You like a lot of guys I like, so I'm really glad you're sticking to 15s this year. That's good. Um, Will's got another question, though, and he knows you and I think he knows me also because he watched me drink quite a few of these at first pitch. Um He knows us, and this is if you could create any high noon flavor, what
2: would it be? Uh, well, it would be raspberry, and it's driving me insane that they still haven't made it yet. I've been complaining about it to my managers and everything. It's like, it just doesn't make any sense. First of all, High Noon is owned by Gallo, and Gallo ha- owns New Amsterdam Vodka. Yep. Well, the New Amsterdam Raspberry Vodka is one of the biggest selling flavors in the vodka set. So it doesn't think like make it makes any too sense. much sense.
1: It's almost like a flow chart.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's been driving me nuts. That they want yeah, you know, come on, all these new flavors, which are all wonderful, but it's like, why don't you have a raspberry? It's like but now the, the key here with the raspberry, and I don't know how they would make it and how it would taste, but I like the little bit lighter flavored mm-hmm. high noons, So like black cherry and cranberry are just, I, I don't mind them, but they're just a little too thick. Overwhelming. So, yes. Yeah. So I, I hope that if they did a raspberry, it would be a little bit lighter flavored raspberry. I,
1: I love the analysis here. This is great. Because um, <laughs> one of my favorite drinks is cranberry vodka. So I was all excited and I'm like, I don't really like this one. It was too like, punch you in the face, cranberry. I'm like, Cause I'm more of like a splash of cranberry when I have my, my drink. So yeah. that wasn't working. And, but what I want, cause my latest kick that I've been really going heavy on just you know, I'm watching my health and everything. I want the vitamin C I'm going with, you know, orange juice and vodka is what I've been drinking a lot of. So I want an orange one at the same time. I'm scared of being overwhelmed. Like, you know, so many of these drinks, taste like an orange high C or something. And that would kind of kill it. Like we're not going sunny D route. Like don't, don't go there. So, but I'd like to see an orange one. That would be intriguing for me. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, cranberry came out so late, orange, raspberry. These like common sense ones, you think? So maybe these are yeah. taking forever. Um, given grapefruit is by far like still my favorite, I think. I, I love that one. But uh, so many good ones. So many yeah. uh, So many good ones. And you mentioned there's something else coming out, which I guess you keep a secret if you want. I've known about it for a while, but I'm, I'm curious what
2: flavors they're going to mix
1: those with. Very curious.
2: Um, going back to the orange, that's, that's interesting. Cause, um, I wonder what, what kind of orange, like you're saying, like, yeah. is that Mandarin orange or, there's
1: so many ways they can almost take a four pack of different orange ones. Yeah. I'd, I'd be full game. I'd buy that tomorrow. So, you know, for those loyal high noon listeners who I've actually contacted about sponsoring the show, they said, no, but we'll, but keep doing a great job. They answered me <laughs> because they, they said, we don't sponsor any podcasts right now. I said, well, when are you filling up to it? let me know um like i don't need you to pay me i just want some like a couple cases once in a while that's all i need um but uh yeah orange would be fun it'll be a lot of fun um I, I have one last question for you and i was thinking about it throughout the pod and kept forgetting to ask so with your early drafting we talked about depth we talked about draft strategy all these things and it could it's obviously going to change as adps change but right now where's kind of your kds wheelhouse.
2: Um, I, I want the front of the draft. Um, I just think that when you look at those, so like, however I'm fine with any one of these guys, Trey Turner, Acuna, J-Rod, J-Ram, Kyle Tucker, like those are, for me, those are like a clear top five. And I just, it just opens up the draft so much for me. Like when you, when you get that top Pick because if you look at the two three turn, there's just tons of aces right there. So you could do like a modified pocket aces if you wanted with a with an elite five category bat. And yep. you know you're looking at Brandon Woodruff. Like, what did Brandon Woodruff do? If you look at his numbers, are insane. Don't gotta sell me. Like my
1: my story with Woodruff <laughs> is, is people would be drooling over Woodruff if Corbin Burns didn't exist.
0: Yeah, you know, just, but just he like Woodruff. And-
2: whatever's going at the end of the first round in main event drafts last year, and now he's going in the third round because he had an injury. But yeah. <laughs> like he's fine, fine now, so it's like why is why why is the discount almost two rounds on him? Oh, um, and you got that. like Dylan Cease and Spencer Strider, and if you want to yeah. take a shot on Degrom, like even Sandy Alcantara is going down there. It's just you can get a closer there. Like there's just so many other. It just opens up the draft so much when you have a five category bat now at the end of the first round you can get elite hitters right so you got like Manny Machado, Freeman, Vlad, uh you know, Devers, Pete Alonso, Jordan. Yeah. Like there tons of tons of great hitters there, but not really a lot of speed. So you still need to kind of target speed at some point in those early rounds, like third, fourth round. And, and I mean maybe Tatis is somebody that I'm not on right now. I just need to see him. I'm not even worried about the suspension. I don't even care about that. It's the shoulder, and he had just you know multiple surgeries. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen an update or anything. So I just can't take him right now. In March, if he's fine and playing spring training games, perfect. I'll, I'll no problem taking him then. But if you don't take him, then you're kind of behind the eight ball in speed, and I just don't want to be in that um, in that predicament. So I, I definitely like the front of much much better in the
1: back yeah it's kind of been my thing like my 250s i've had the top pick in both so i have J ram in both but the gladiators i got been like eight and nine in both if it's it's interesting i'll say that much but it's also a different draft obviously you're going closers and whatnot so um it's definitely a different vibe but i prefer the front that's for sure it sounds sounds so simple but there's been many years where the back end was totally fine like all aboard the back end so i'm just curious to see what you're seeing here early on all right, my friend, we'll wrap it up there. Before we head on out, plug the, your awesome podcast with Mr. Venancio one more time.
2: Yeah, it's the In the Cut Fantasy Sports Podcast. You can find it on, I think, all platforms. Definitely at least iTunes and uh, and Spotify. So, but yeah, Bubba, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And, it, you know, it's always fun to sit down and spend a, an hour or two talking some some baseball with you. Yep, always a
1: pleasure. We'll do it probably one or two more times this offseason for sure. I always like hitting you up. You're you're usually always available, which is a plus. So uh, I always enjoy chatting with you, one of the good ones out there. Uh, So everybody check out his podcast, In the Cut Fantasy, with Mr. Ryan Vedansio and John Fish. He's on Twitter at Pile of Dial. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 525. Catch you guys next time.